The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the fourth chapter. When evening had come, Jesus said to the disciples, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. God's beloved people, grace to you and peace from God our Creator and from our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Would it have been better for them if they had just stayed on the shore? I've been thinking about these disciples, tossed about at sea, vulnerable and afraid, with their imperfect faith on full display for Jesus to see. Now, there are times, I admit, that these guys seem like a bunch of knuckleheads to me. They rarely grasp what's going on, and it's hard for them to find the courage to do the right thing. But in this scene, I have great empathy for them. I know what it feels like to be in the grip of fear, how it can turn you in on yourself and put you in survival mode. So Jesus' question for them seems a bit harsh to me. After their near-death experience, he asks them, have you still no faith? Now, I suspect this is a rhetorical question, but it still smarts. And I find myself wanting to respond on their behalf. Of course they have faith, Jesus. The only reason they're in the boat, crossing over the sea into unfamiliar, potentially dangerous territory, is because you directed them to, and they trusted you. From the first time you called them on the shores of the lake, they stepped out in faith. They saw something in you, Jesus. They heard something in your voice that compelled them to drop their nets and follow you into the work of the kingdom. If they had no faith, they would have never headed into the watery chaos. They would have remained on the shore expecting nothing from you. It may not have been better, but it sure would have been easier. But faith, this story reminds me, creates expectation. In their hour of need, the disciples expected something from Jesus. At the very least, they expected him to wake up. They expected him to care. Do you not care that we're perishing? They may have expected even more than that. If any of you have been out in a boat on the water during a storm, you know there are plenty of jobs to do. Maybe they hoped he would reef the main or grab a bucket and start bailing. Anything that indicated that he was alert to the problem and eager to respond. 
They expected Jesus to do something that would make it better. If they hadn't had some kind of faith in him, they would have expected nothing. Faith carries expectations of God. As people of faith, we put our trust in a God whom we believe is trustworthy, a God who is benevolent and just and powerful. And yet the storms of a broken creation continue to rage around us and within us. If we are alert at all, we see signs of this every day. We hear the cries of innocent people who suffer. We experience our own tumult and struggle which cause fear and anxiety. We may long for perfect faith, to trust God with all of our heart and soul and strength, to have the kind of faith that casts out all fear. But chaos and disease and injustice continue to rock our little boats. And like the disciples, we question, what is going on? Do you care, God? Can you do something? That's the thing about faith. It comes with a certain risk. When we step out in faith, we risk disappointment, confusion, disillusionment. Cynicism and apathy, they don't risk these things. They expect nothing, and they get nothing. But faith, it's a risky proposition. This is what Job discovered. We heard just a little piece of his story today. Job's strong faith and his virtue had won the admiration of all those around him. And then a hurricane of suffering blew into his life, leaving nothing but his wounded body and a deconstructed faith. None of this made sense to Job. The world wasn't supposed to work this way. And because faith seeks understanding, Job hurled his questions at God. Why had this happened? What was the reason? Would it have been better if he'd never trusted God? If he'd never been born? He had expected so much more from God, more fairness, more blessing, less curse. Job wanted answers. And if you're familiar with this story, you know that he didn't get the answers he expected. When God responded to Job, it was with questions, not answers. We heard a few of them, just a few of them. It goes on and on. Where were you, Job, when I laid the foundations of the universe? Tell me if you have understanding. Is it you who commands the sun to rise and has done so since the dawn of time? Do you enter the springs and walk around or go into the storehouses of snow? Can you direct the lightning bolts, Job, or bind and loose the chains of Pleiades and Orion? Is it by your wisdom that the hawk soars and the eagle mounts up and makes its nest on high? Tell me, Job. In verse after verse, God questions Job. Now, I'm positive these are rhetorical questions. Through them, God opens Job's eyes to the majesty and complexity of the universe, 
a universe that contains wonders and mysteries that no mortal will ever comprehend, a universe in which God has always been and will always be sovereign. In his dialogue with God, Job didn't receive the answers he was sure he needed. Instead, he received perspective. In all of Job's piety and devotion, he had never imagined the scope of God's work, which was beyond anything he could expect. This encounter with God brought Job consolation. I know you can do all things, God, and no purpose of yours will be thwarted. Now you have shown yourself to me, and my eyes see you. Job was in awe of this God who breathed life into the universe and yet drew near to him in his time of need. The disciples also experienced this awe and humility. They had so wanted Jesus to do something, to make himself useful in the storm, but they never imagined his response. He didn't start frantically bailing. He spoke directly to the wind and the waves. Peace, be still. And they were still. In this transcendent moment, the disciples understood that Jesus was no spiritual deckhand sent to do their bidding. He was the presence of the living God, sovereign over all of creation, sovereign even over the storm. Their fear was transformed into amazement and wonder. There was so much more going on in Christ than they could comprehend. When I read these texts, I am filled with gratitude and humility. I am so thankful that God is bigger than my imagination and that my expectations don't set God's agenda. I am so thankful that God is at work in the world bringing forth God's agenda, God's mission, God's desire. I know I cannot fully comprehend this because, newsflash, I am not God. And I am so thankful that Christ is not my spiritual errand boy, sent to fulfill my expectations. He is so much more than I would ever know to hope for. He is the incarnate presence and promise of God. This is what God offers us, not answers, but the promise that we are never alone, that we are never forgotten or unloved. In Christ, we receive the promise that however great the storm, we will be given what we need to get through it. We will be given grace sufficient for each day, faith for each day, courage for each day. And along the way, we will be offered gifts we never imagined, tender mercies we never dared dream of. And in Christ, we receive the promise that one day, in the fullness of time, the storms of sin and suffering will be silenced once and for all, and all of creation will be healed and whole, gathered under the reign of God. Thanks be to God for being so much more than we could ever imagine, 
and for calling us again to step forth in faith. Amen.